tonight. If this is your first night at the conference, we are so glad that you are with us. We've had a great week thus far. God has been blessing, and uh, and so we're so excited. You can see the fruit of the labor up here. And uh, I tell you, this uh, uh, this is actually a wonderful work. I could just stand here or sit here, actually sit out there, just praise the Lord all night. That was a good praise session, and we have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, God has given us the Word. We have the Word of God, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to assemble the Word of God. And I don't know exactly the number. Bob will give that update here uh, after at the end of the service as he motivates us to get back into the work. And there will be collating work to do tonight. Just so those of you that were bummed out about that, there is going to be work to do uh, in the collation business. But uh, there's over a 1,000 in the box. I know that. And there's got to be more than that uh, now uh, trimmed because there was there was a thousand trimmed last night about 10 o'clock when I left and they were in the box this morning. And so uh, we are making some good progress and we still still got to get it done. So uh, in the meantime, as I said yesterday, as important as it is to do this and it is important, it's also important uh, that we eat. We take that seriously. Obviously, we thank you, Dave. Where's Dave? Is he out doing stuff? Man, make sure you give Dave and Jim and. And all the ladies that were helping with that, uh, I saw, I don't want to get into all the names. There's tons of people helping with the food. Um, kids, little ones all the way up to big ones, right? And make sure you give them some love, thank them. Uh, and even if you don't get a chance to thank them, thank the Lord for them, pray for them, ask the Lord to bless them and, and give them strength. They've done a good job of feeding us and keeping us going this week. Uh, so we can get the Word of God where it needs to go on time. So if you are just joining us, normally about this time in our conference, we would have an offering time. Uh, we don't really have an offering time scheduled in uh, th- in this conference because of the way we set it up to go from uh, Monday or Wednesday through Sunday. But Sunday morning, obviously, we will be taking up an offering. And if you're an HBF uh, person in particular, but you don't have to be, uh, we are, again, just reminding everyone we're raising uh, $17,000 uh, was well, $15,000, I say $17,000 for this project to cover some other expenses associated with it uh, in regard to, you know, covers and, and some shipping and things like that. And then if you just want to keep giving beyond that, uh, we would definitely, uh, talking with Bob, thirty-five to 50000 is what it would take to get us into a, a, a new binder and so or a, or a gently used newer binder. And so uh, that's also on the agenda for the future. But just... By way of remembrance, what we've learned when Randy preached, he preached from our theme verse in Second Chronicles chapter 34, uh, when, uh, where they talked about how Hilkiah found the book, right? And he brought it to Josiah. And really, just to summarize that message in my heart, and this isn't what you took away, Randy had several good points. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if we don't find the word, no one else will either. He's not, God's not going to use us, right? If we want other people to find the word, we got to find the word. And obviously, we've heard testimonies. Bob did a great job uh, talking about that during the lunch time about how he found the word and shared his testimony. It was so beautiful to hear about that. And it reminds me, everyone that's kind of come up is Alan last night was talking about when he found the word, right? And when the, the word of God was quickened in our hearts and we became born again. But we've also grown up. Uh, to the place uh, like a Josiah that he didn't just receive the word and receive that that, that message was his, but uh, we haven't preached on it so much, but you know that his name was written in the book, right? It was prophesied. Randy touched on that the other night. It was prophesied. And there are people starving, right? We heard that last night. There are people starving, and the Bible is the supply. And so Alan gave us a, a great message. Our brother Alan gave us a great message on that and how important it is uh, to, that we get the word to people who need it 
because it is the source of eternal life and it is sufficient. And so we need to make sure that we get the word of God where it needs to go. So it's been a great time today. Uh, we had a great time. And as, if you guys missed it, Rich Ricard gave a great message this morning uh, at lunch or this afternoon at lunch as well, encouraging us um, in, in really being part of the story, right? The story of getting saved and, and how when we get saved and he, God writes us into this story, this gospel story, we're to carry that forward. And God is bringing us into something bigger than any one person, any one church, uh, and it takes a group of us. And I really appreciate all the churches and all the folks that have come in from all over the place. I got to meet a new brother as I walked in the door tonight that uh, has been helping all day. Uh, never met him before in my life. Uh, talking to different people and finding out, you know, where your DNA is spiritually. You know, some coming from Midtown, some come from I uh, see Graceway folks tonight. We we have folks from coming in. Uh, you know, Michael and. Uh, and uh, Poncho roll up in here from Atlanta, and uh, I'm like, hey, man, that was cool. I wasn't expecting that. And so it's just so good to see everybody coming in and being a part of this tonight. And so we're excited about the work that has been done and the work that will get done, and we're excited to hear the Word of God once again. So uh, <clears throat> here in just a moment, Vicky's going to lead us in a, in a song, and we're going to focus our hearts on things above. And then uh, tonight you're going to get a treat as Tony Godfrey comes up and preaches the word. Tony's got a big heart for publishing the word of God uh, and has done a good job of, of just helping us year after year and partnering with us in every way, uh, from missions trips to to, to publishing the word of God, to vision conferences. It's just I mean, we just love you, Tony, and love Harvest and uh, Harvest Baptist Iola and looking forward to what God has for him. So make sure when uh, after we're done, give him some attention and some love. Let me pray as Vicky gets ready to sing. We'll just set our hearts on things above. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great praise that we've just heard as we've just lifted up your name and praised you. We thank you for that. We pray, God, tonight as, as we focus our attention now on hearing the word of God, just again, help us to set aside all the, the busyness. Lord, we're busy, and that's a good thing. Uh, we, we have our hands on the plow. We've had a lot of conversations today. We've had a lot of interactions today. We've had physical uh, things go on today. Many of us are physically tired after a few days of this conference. And, and so, Father, I pray now as we get ready to, to just focus uh, the next hour or so just on your word, that you would speak to us, Lord, train our attention on the things of your word, the most holy things that you've given to us, and help us uh, to really uh, minister to the soul tonight. Uh, Lord, allow you to minister our souls so that we can minister to other souls. And we just thank you for this book that you've given us. We praise you for it, and we ask your blessing upon the, the preaching of it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell you what, that was good. I, I've never heard that song. I've never heard that song in my life. I, that's, that was a good one. I like it. All right, so I am blessed to be here. I, I really enjoy coming to be a part of this. I come in April I, as much as I possibly can. I try to come. Um, what month are we even in? Yeah, this time of the year. I like to come this time of the year, you know. I, I do like to come, and I, I can't always stay for the entire time, and I do have to get back uh, tomorrow, and uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to stay all day tomorrow. I have a funeral to get back to um, People have asked me, hey, where is your wife? And I feel like I get asked that all the time. And we're just in a different season of life, and she's got a different job, and it's requiring a lot of her time, not able to, to break free. And then uh, I wasn't able to bring my son. Tonight is homecoming in our town, and he's the uh, drum major uh, for the band. And so he's having his big night tonight. And so uh, my heart is kind of with him. And uh, 
So uh, I cannot wait to watch it on video tonight while I'm laying, laying in my bed. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, um, people ask about my daughter. She's 21 now. That blows my ever-loving mind. And she's out on her own doing her own thing. Um, tonight, I'm going to ask you to turn to what may be considered a weird passage of Scripture for a Bible conference. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And you're thinking, hey, everybody else has been in Second Chronicles 34. Why aren't you? Um, because. How about that? Just just because. This is what God has for us. And and so uh, Philippians chapter 4 is uh, is a passage I'd like to I'd like to look at. And, um, you know, people have been sharing their story about uh, when when they found the book. And uh, I would tell you that I, I got saved. Uh, between my sophomore year and my junior year of high school, I met Jesus Christ as my Savior. And even then, I did not have the book. Um, I was trained. Or let me rephrase that. Well, I was trained. Let me just tell you, if somebody's not training you, uh, you're getting trained by somebody else. I was trained in a church that did not teach proper doctrine. And so I was trained in emotionalism. I was trained in a lot of Pentecostal things. And, and, uh, and it took me to a spot Trust me, this is going to tie in later, I promise. It just took me to a spot where I got in a really dark time in my life, consumed by the things of the world, consumed by anxiety, consumed by um, not attaining the goals that I had always set for myself. And and uh, I got to the point where I just totally walked away from the Lord for two years of my life. And I, I met a pretty little thing, and, and she invited me to church. And I came, and I've shared this story numerous times, so I want to share bore that with you, but I tell you what, I sat under the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God for the first time in my life when I walked into that church, and the pastor was preaching through the book of Acts, and I'd never heard the Word of God preached like that, but even then, I didn't get the book, right? I always had the Bible within arm's reach, but it was never in my heart, right? And it wasn't until I got discipled, where I sat across the table from him, and he opened the Word of God and just began to pour the truths of the Word of God into my life, that is when I got a hold of this book, and it began to change me from the inside out. So I was saved for years, but I didn't know, I didn't understand the God of the Bible. Does that make sense? And so tonight, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that is very familiar, I would think, to almost everybody in the room, and maybe you've got it memorized. Maybe you've, maybe you can quote it right now, and I'm praying that it speaks into you. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 9 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We love those verses, don't we? You got them memorized. You're like, how many messages have I heard on this? Okay, well, hang with me. Look at verse 8. Because he says, finally, brethren. In other words, in conclusion, there is more to be said. We always stop at verse 7, don't we? We For some reason, I do the same thing. I memorize the verses 6 and 7, and I like verse 8. But for some reason, I, I, I apply them at different times in my life. Right? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, prepare and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And when things are going on, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true. You know, we, we, we love to quote those little verses, but they all go together. 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these, what's the word? Things. Still not done. Look at verse 9. Those, what's the word? Things. Let's do some Bible study tonight, right? I don't know if you've caught on to this, but notice in verse 6, be careful for, what's the word? No thing, but in every thing. I think there's a thing thing happen here. Right? So finally, think on these things. Well, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So here's how I want you to, to, to think about this. So on one end, you have no thing. Y'all with me? You got no thing on one end, and way over here, what do you got over here? Thank you. Thank you, class. Everything. But what do you have stuck in the middle here? Anything. Isn't that true? Between no thing and everything, everything in the middle is anything. You're like, you came to church for that. (laughs) I got you. I got you. So in between no thing and everything is anything. We're talking job. We're talking hobby. We're talking relationship. We're talking family drama. We're talking you name it, anything. And there's potential that any something amongst the anything will become the only thing. Y'all with me? That's what he's dealing with here. Because there's potential for something to become my everything. Now, the message title is, I want to give you some things to think about. Okay? Some things to think about. And the first point I want us to get, we're going to see here in verses 6 and 7, is that there's an extreme difference between crippling anxiety and the peace of God. Because he says this in verse 6. Be careful for no thing. Now, here's how English works. I love the English language when it comes time to spell. I don't like it then. But here's what God does for stupid people like me. When I try to understand a word, usually in English, if you reverse the word, it identifies it. So careful, what does that mean? Full of care. All right, so that's how, that's how it works. It's being anxious, it's being consumed with it, right? So be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So on one end, you have anxiety, and on the other end, you have the peace of God. And I would put it this way. Anxiety leads to the lost position. So lost people, they dwell in nothing but anxiety. I just told my wife the other day, I don't know how people make it. I don't know how they get through anything. I don't know how they handle anything without the Lord and without truth and without the word of God. I don't know how it's physically possible. And here's the reality. They don't. That's why they cope. That's why they're trying to find hope in the bottom of a bottle or at the end of a needle or or in sex or in this or in their job or in whatever. They're looking for the peace of God and it's never going to happen. They're looking just for a moment of peace. Just give me a moment of peace and quiet. How many of you ever said that that to your kids? I just want a moment of peace and quiet. I just, just leave me. Listen, that's where the, that's the, that's the, that's the lost position, but the same position is the peace of God. 
And here's what, I, here's what I know about believers. Oftentimes, we're not dwelling here. We're dwelling way over there because we've allowed anything to become our everything. And we get consumed with anxiety. Now, let me give you a, my definition of anxiety. My definition of anxiety would be this. When you treat one thing like it's everything. That's a simple definition of anxiety. When you treat one thing like it's everything. And allowing one, in other words, allowing one thing to become the only thing. You're like, I'm not guilty of that. Oh, yeah? My precious. Right? We do that all the time. And we whine. We complain about this one thing. This is always this one issue, this circumventing thing that, that we wake up to and we go to bed with. And it, it just consumes our life. We turn it over to the Lord and then we pick it right back up and we like to play with it. My precious. Right, we do that all the time. Why? Because we we think we can control ourselves so much to get into the peace of God. If I just mold it over, if I just think about it some more, I'll finally figure the thing out and I'll finally get peace. That cannot be further from the truth. That's the anxiety. You're allowing one thing to become your everything. In other words, you're allowing it to become your only thing. Let me give you a definition of the peace of God. The definition for the peace of God is when you treat everything like it ain't no thing. That's true peace. And you've been there, haven't you? Have you ever experienced a true peace of God? When you treat, when you treat everything like it ain't no thing. That you understand 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7, where he says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Oh, we memorize that one. Cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. Listen, this is the peace of God. It's a peace that doesn't make sense considering your circumstances. You ever been there? Where it makes absolutely no sense for you to be at the peace of God and yet you experience it. Listen, when he offers you the peace of God that we read about in verse 6, he's not promising that your circumstance changes. When you have the peace of God, he's dealing with the issue of your perspective, not your circumstance. Y'all with me? That's, that's true peace of God. It, it's a peace of God that protects my heart and protects my mind from spiraling out of control. Because he says this, verse 7, and the peace of God, by the way, the first time you find that in your Bible, that phrase, the peace of God, is right here in this, in this passage. Which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So it's a peace that protects my heart. It protects my mind from spiraling out of control. And listen, I have a proclivity to do that. And maybe I'm not the only one. I, I, and I get stressed. I get stressed about some things. And uh, I've, I've just recently learned that God's revealed to me that I kind of addicted to stress a little bit, that I kind of like it. I can't function without it. And that's not biblical. That's not right. That's not, that's not right. I should be dwelling in the peace of God. Right? Verses that we quote all the time. And yet I don't know that we fully grasp it. So let me boil it down this way. Here's how I like to say this. You can worry, anxiety, or you can trust God, the peace of God. You can worry or you can trust God, but you cannot do both at the same time. It's not possible. It is absolutely not possible. I know what you're thinking. What does this have to do with a Bible conference, uh, everything. See what I just did there? Everything 
It has to do with, okay, so instead of turning things over to the Lord, here's what we do. We turn them over in our hearts and our minds. That's what we do. So be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, we love to quote them. We love to quote them. But we miss verses 8 and 9, because verses 8 and 9 is the key that unlocks verses 6 and 7. you got to have those two verses, too. So let me, let me break this down, because here's what a lot of people do. They say, well, fine then. I just won't think about anything. I'll just be mindless. There's some people really good at that at Walmart and on the streets, right? But that's the conclusion a lot of people come to. Well, let's just become mindless. Well, isn't that what the world's looking for? Isn't that what false religion teaches? Once you just get to a state where you just don't think about anything. What is that? It's false peace. It's false peace. So the world solution, false religion solution, is to become mindless. What does God say? No, you need to be mindful. Mindful. Mindful about what? Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so the solution is to be mindful, not mindless. And I would maybe put it this way. Narrow down anything that's between no thing and everything. If, if what's in between is anything, then narrow it down to something. Right? Because we're still overwhelmed with anything. I mean, all the possibilities kind of freak me out. If you gave me a restaurant that only had two options, I'm a happy camper, man. And I finally experienced it about two months ago. There's a little town called Leroy, Kansas. You blink, you miss it. And on Sunday afternoons, they get two options, fried chicken or whatever else. And you walk in, and he goes, what do you have? I said, well, I don't need a menu. And he goes, let me make it simple. Fried chicken or meatloaf? Fried chicken, please. He comes out and says, hey, we're out. Meatloaf, please. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a happy camper. This is great. You give me all those options. I can't, I can't function because I get overwhelmed by anything. Narrow it down to something. Narrow it down to something. So the solution isn't mindless. The solution is to be mindful. Well, that takes us to verse 8 because here's the next point. If you're going to think about some things, make sure you think about the right things. If you're going to fill your mind, make sure you fill it with the right things. You don't have to think about everything. Man, let that be freeing to you. You don't have to sweat it, man. Turn it over to the Lord and be mindful about the right things. Why? Because this becomes your meditation. This becomes your prayer list. This becomes what consumes your thoughts. Instead of your little precious thing, you've turned that over to the Lord and you're able to focus on other things and specifically the right things. And God gave you a list. Verse 8. That's your list. True and honest and just and pure and lovely and good report and virtue and praise. Well, let's break those down. Let's, let's identify what those things are. Can I give you some definitions of each one of those things? These will go quick, I promise. The word true. Well, that reminds me of studied truth. In other words, you, you only know what's true because you have the Word of God. And it is truth. It is the embodiment of Jesus Christ. 
Who is the truth? And if you want to know what's true, you better study that truth. So how can you think about what's true if you don't know what it says? Right? So whatsoever things are true, then you've got to study that. Well, that takes you to honest. That's spoken truth. That's spoken truth. That's what honesty is. Whatsoever things are honest. Thus saith the Lord. That's spoken truth. Well, then... But how do I know what to do? I need to make some decisions in my life. Who do I date? Where do I go? What neighborhood do I do? You need just. That's being guided by truth. You have right judgment. That make sense? So it starts with studying the truth. It starts with letting truth flow out of you. You're speaking the truth in honesty, but then you're also guided by truth in just. And here's, here's what's amazing. As you do that, what happens to you? Pure. You are now cleansed by Truth. Sanctify them through thy... Oh, there it is. Isn't that amazing? Well, then, here's what's really cool. Then you take it a step further. Lovely. Now, now, dudes, we don't like being called lovely. At least, not me. I don't, I don't know about Brian. But I don't like being called lovely. But what does lovely mean? It's being clothed in truth. Man, that, that person... There's just something different about him. There's something different about her. There's just like this, there's just something that attracts me to him. There's something that attracts me to her. There's something, yeah, they're lovely because they're clothed in the truth of God. And then it says of good report. Well, that's evidence of truth, of good report evidence that you are walking in truth. There's something different. Okay, I see it in you. There's evidence. It's like there's a wake everywhere you go. There's evidence that this person is walking in in truth. And then you have virtue. That's living the truth. Knowing what, doing what you know to do and ceasing what you know to cease. That's the definition of virtue. So that's living the truth. But man, check out this last one. It's praise. It's celebrating the truth. Now, what would happen? I mean, if we truly got a hold of verse 8, and we're mindful about those things. You think that would make verse 6 and 7 way more applicable? I think it would. Now, let me, let me make this very simple. Because the next point we got to get is that these things do not come naturally. Because it's very easy. To preach this. It's very easy to say, why won't you just get this? Um, because my flesh don't get it, man. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't come naturally. We need someone to disciple us. Which means I have to have a Bible. Y'all with me? I have to have a Bible, not under my arm but in my heart. That's what I need. I have to have that because if I just give someone a Bible, all I've done is give them a place to find the solution. But if I haven't spent time with them, if I haven't opened that Bible up with them, then I haven't got them into the book and I guarantee the book ain't into them. That's why you have verse 9. Check this out. Those things. Well, what things, verse 8? Those things. No, not, not the no thing and not the everything. No, 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 no. We're, we're beyond that. Not the, not the anything. No, no, no. It's the some things. Well, what things? Verse 8. Okay, well then, verse 9. Those things. 
Now, I love what Paul says, because he says this in verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. He gives us two categories. Learned and received, heard and seen. Those things which you have learned, received, heard, and seen, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Oh, so verse 9 is the glue that puts it all together, doesn't it? Now, this right here, I'm not going to say it's my favorite verse on discipleship, but I would say it's probably my second favorite verse in discipleship, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, being the first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, being the third. Those are my three passages that I go to when I discuss the importance of discipleship. 2 Timothy 2, 2, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. Why? Because 2 Timothy 2, 2 gives us the what, the theory behind it. Chapter, chapter Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 gives us the how to disciple, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 gives us this is the result of discipleship. All right, so that's the practical side of that. So these things do not come naturally. We need someone, we need someone to disciple us. In that. And here's what I want you to get in in your mind is that these things are true in theory. And that's why we focus on instruction. Because it's great to hear some things. You ever just sitting in church and everybody's like, Amen, and they're writing things down, and you're like, I don't get it. Why is that so important? They're like, Oh yeah, that's good. I'm like, I don't know why that's good, but I'll write it down too. Right? And and okay, what do you do? You need some instruction. You need someone to have some shared truth. You need someone to share truth with you. You need a time of instruction. In other words, there's a time of learning and receiving. There should be a moment where the disciple says, hey, the discipler says, hey, I taught you some things. I taught you some things. What things? Those things. So if you're a discipler, and you just don't know where to start or where to focus or what should I be doing, verse 9 is for you. Verse 9 is for you because your disciple, your disciple should see those things in verse 8 in you. They should be learning those things in verse 8 from you. They should be learning how to study the truth and speak the truth and be guided by the truth. They should, they should know all those things. They should, they should see the loveliness and the evidence of truth in you. But he breaks it down into two categories, learned, received, seen, and, and, and heard. In other words, shared, shared um, information, shared instruction, um, shared truth. And then the other one is shared life. Because he says learned and received. So discipleship, here's what it does. It requires a time of information. Let's just be honest. And that's where a lot of people take discipleship. I don't have that up on the screen, I don't think. But discipleship requires information. In other words, a time of learning. And now, get this, getting information and learning information are not the same thing. Hello, somebody. Getting information and learning information are not the same thing. So discipleship, that's that's the learning. But there's also this idea of receiving. In other words, discipleship requires submission. It requires submission. You have to receive it because learning information, receiving information are not the same thing. Right? Oh, man, that's where a lot of churches are right there. Really good on giving information and receiving information. 
but not really submitting to it. Not really submitting to it. All right. Then he says, those things which you have both learned and received, there ought to be time of information and submission, and heard and seen in me. So next point I want you to give is that these things are true and example. And that's why we focus on observation. There needs to be a time of instruction, but there also needs to be a time of observation, shared life. If your discipleship is nothing more than sitting across the table with somebody at a certain time of every day, of every week, or whatever it might be, I just started discipling a guy every Tuesday, 5.30 in the morning. That's when we're discipling. If my discipleship with Scott is only instruction, I'm dropping the ball. Because if all I'm doing is sharing truth and not sharing life, he will never get the observation of how these things are true and why it's important to walk in those truths. So there needs to be um, instruction and demonstration. And here's what I mean by this, because he says, those things which you have learned and received and then heard and seen in me. So hearing, that's the illustration. Let me tell you, so we lay out a truth and we give an illustration. Let me just tell you how that's true in my life, how, how God revealed that to me in my life. That's illustration. Let me give you an illustration of that. But then there's a seen aspect of it. Let me show you how to live this truth out practically. Let me give you a virtue step here. Let's just do this together. You've seen me do this, and here's what drives me nuts. How is it possible to disciple somebody in a prayer lesson and you never pray together? Come on. Because it's all theory, man. If you don't spend time praying together, how are they going to know how to pray? Right? If you're going to deal with finances and not deal with budgets, come on now. You, they need to know that you're not whacked out of your mind when it comes to finances. You're teaching biblical truths about finances and you're whacked out in debt. Okay, let me know how that works. It doesn't work, right? And so we have to tie that all together. There needs to be time of instruction, time of observation. But notice what it says here in verse 9. Those things which you have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. What's the very next word? Do. Next point. These things are true in everyday life, and that's why we focus on application. It's not enough for the disciple or or disciple E to just learn and receive and do all those. No, there's an expectation of application. How about you go do this? How about you lead us in prayer? How about you teach me a lesson? How about you do this? This application. Because what good is instruction and observation if there's no application? Y'all know where we're going. James chapter 1 verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Not hearers only. And Paul's like, hey, that's a bold statement. Hey, I, I did all these things for you. You've learned, you received, you've seen, you heard. Well, don't just hear. Do it. And the best way to grow, I'm telling you, the best way to grow is to share what you know with someone else who needs to know. That's the best way to grow. You want to hear that one again? Because it rhymed. And I didn't do it on purpose, but I just realized it rhymed. And that's awesome. Hold on. I want to share it one more time. That's awesome. The best way to grow is to share what you know with someone who needs to know. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I got to speak it. 
the things that I've seen and heard. Why? Because I've learned and I've received it and I've seen it and heard it and now i got to share it too. What did you just become? You became the instructor. You became the demonstrator. It's full cycle discipleship. Why? Because somebody just didn't give you a Bible. They didn't just hand you pieces of paper and a cover. That's all the Bible was to me. Like, I guess that's a really important book. People carry it. But man, what I got in the book and the book got inside of me, I couldn't keep quiet. I had to share what God's showing me. That's how it works, man. All right, now check this out. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. All right, so here's the next point. These things are true in relationship and that's where we focus on communion. They're true in relationship, and that's why we focus on community. He says the God of peace will be with who? You. It's personal. And how many times has somebody come up to you, and how many times have you said this to somebody else, I wish I had a relationship with God like you do. Have anybody ever said that to you? Have you ever said that to somebody else? Well, the answer is, hey, you can have a relationship with God just like I do, and that just might be that you have somebody now to disciple. Hey, I want a relationship with God like you do. In other words, will you give me some instruction and will you give me some demonstration so that I can have that too, so that I can have the God of peace walking with me? All right, so the heart of making disciples is that each believer is in personal fellowship with the Lord. Now, let me give you a passage, a scripture that is one of my favorites. First John Chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have, what's the word? Heard. Which we have, sound familiar? So here's John writing, hey, I heard some stuff and I, and I saw some stuff. And with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now he's talking about the literal Jesus. Right? The dude that laid his head on the bosom of Christ. That's always a weird way of saying it, but that's what he did, right? He laid his head there and, and he did the, he handled, he, he saw it. Right, so check out verse two. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father. It was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and, and heard declare we unto you in a book. He's writing to people that didn't have the opportunity to hang with Jesus. He's talking to people that didn't get to touch him and to hear him and and to spend time with him. But they wrote it in a book. Why'd they do that? Well, we declare him unto you that why? That ye also may have fellowship with us. But more than that, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these, what? Things. What things? All those things that Jesus said to the disciples back in the Great Commission. Whatsoever things. Whatsoever to give them off. Those things. Well, what things were they? I think that list is in verse 8. That's the things. I'm passionate, sorry. And these things we write unto you that your joy... May be full. Why, why your joy? Because I want you to have a relationship with Jesus like I do, man. That is the heart of why we are doing this. 
Do you know why you're here giving up a week? And giving up your free time and your crochet time and your whatever time, your canasta night, whatever it might be that you're giving up to beat. Does anybody even play canasta? I don't even know what canasta is, right? I'm like, I don't know what that is. But we do this because there are people who do not have the peace of God in their life. You know why they don't have the peace of God? Because they're stuck between nothing and everything and anything consumes them and they desperately seek peace and they go to the wrong place and they have no place to go because no one's placed the Bible in their hand. But more than that, no one's placed the Bible in their heart. Calm down. That's what we've got to be about. And that's what Paul is saying he did. Now, get this. There is no peace of God without the God of peace. Did you see the inversion? Because verse 7 says, oh, you need the peace of God. And the only way you're going to get the peace of God is with the God of peace. Well, how do I get the God of peace? Think on those things. But more than just think on those things and meditate on those things. I need someone to teach me those things and demonstrate me those things so that I can myself, myself, myself have the God of peace. In other words, there is no God of peace without a piece of God's word. I got to have it, man. I got to have it. And we got to give it. So let's land the plane. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8. Cross-reference to 2 Chronicles 34. Yeah, I love this. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he, he read it. And he found it so important. He went to Josiah and says, you got to read this. And it blew his ever loving mind. Get this. He found the book of the law, whether he knew it was lost or not. I don't know. I would assume that he knew it was lost, but there are people that are without God's word. And the expectation is it's going to be found in the house of the Lord. Whose job is it to make sure it gets out? It's the house of the Lord. Not Heartland Baptist Fellowship. That ain't the house of the Lord. You are the house of the Lord. You are. You are a temple of the living God. That's where the book ought to be found. So Hilkiah finds the book and he recognizes, hey, this is God's word. Huh, look what I found. And the expectation is, he doesn't keep it to himself. He shares it with somebody else. And then Shaphan, what does he do? Receives it. He receives it. He receives it from Hilkiah. And the expectation is that the recipient reads what he's received. Listen, I love what Alan said. Last night, I'm going to butcher it. Is he even in here? There he is. I'm going to butcher this, but I loved how you, you made the point. Listen, we're not interested in giving Bibles to people who are just going to hand it out willy-nilly. We're interested in those who are going to actually do something with it. Now, I butchered that, but that was the gist of what you said. That is what we're dealing with here. How sad would it be we make all the sacrifice we do, spend all the money, and we give, it to, uh, give a Bible to somebody. Now the word of God doesn't return void. I get all those things. 
But if it just sits on a table, if it just gets on the back seat of a car, if it gets holds up the table, right, whatever it may be, uh, we're missing the boat, man. We need to plug these books, God's written word, into the hands of somebody who can take that and give it to somebody else, not just physically, but spiritually. That's what we desperately need. And the expectation is that the recipient is going to read what he receives. But I want you to get this. None of what this happens, none of this happens unless there's first a faceless, nameless someone who bound the book of the law. You see that book that he found in the temple of God, in the house of the Lord, somebody had put it together. Somebody had copied it and made sure it was perfect, and made sure it was just right, and made sure it was accurate, and they made sure that it was bound. They made sure it was a place that it could be tangible. They did the work, and we don't know their name. And those people that are going to get these Bibles, you don't know their name, and they don't know yours. Because it doesn't matter, man. God will take care of that at the judgment seat of Christ. He'll figure all that stuff out. What we're doing this week is we're providing the packaging of the Word of God so that the next guy is equipped to do the real work of discipling people in those things. Don't lose sight of what we're doing. Thank you. Amen. Amen. That was, bro, we needed that word. Thank you so much for bringing it. And, uh, I was, there's so many things in my own life as he was preaching that, that did that apply to you? If it, if it didn't, man, it must have just been for me. So if you're part of our fellowship of churches, uh, if you're part of Heartland, you're part of our fellowship of churches. Most of us, if not all of us are focused on making disciples, right? And, uh, just like Randy started off, uh, on Wednesday night, we're not going to reproduce in others. You know, if we don't find the book, no one else will. Like if Helkai wouldn't have found it, found it, if Shaven wouldn't have found it, if Josiah wouldn't have found it, it would have been DOA, just like it was before. So what a good admonition. What a word for the Laodicean church. Full mention, New Testament. There's only It's only found two times um, the piece of, uh, the, the phrase specifically, if my if my study was right there, quick study, peace of God. And it's right there where he just read it first time, second time. It's Colossians chapter 3. Is that not something that we need to hear right now? And that is a word fitly spoken. I appreciate that, brother. Uh, right to us, right where we need to live. And so we've got the instruction. Right now, are we going to internalize it? Are we going to live it? Are we going to repeat it? So making disciples uh, is what it is all about. So, and all the things... All the things that we've heard, right, you can go back to the go. And you can go back to our, our charge, Matthew 28, right? And what's it tell us there? Go ye therefore teach all nations about time. All right, whatsoever things I said unto you. All right, those are all the things. Uh, I'm going to butcher it. I was looking it up as Tony was preaching, so let me go. let me make sure I got it precisely right. That just was rocking me. And you can also get Second Timothy. Teaching them to observe. There it is. 
all things. Now, we always take that, and we should take that as the Word of God, whole counsel of God, cover to cover, and all of that, right? But, and in the context of what we've just heard, isn't that amazing? All things. All things. And that's that's good, bro. And so the written word must become the quickened word, right? And that's really what it's about. i got to boil everything down to make it simple because my memory is about this long. So the written word has to become the quickened word or we're not, we're not doing nothing. And the thing is we can't make that happen. Like we can't. We can only do our part, which is to receive it and, and, to, and to repeat it and to invest it in other people and ask God to do the supernatural part of, of quickening that thing. Ephesians chapter 2, right? So, man, when have you received the word? And when you do receive the word, what's it do? It quickens you. Right, we were brought to life, and we need life. And so, uh, man, that's amazing how God will take these these Bibles and and bring life, revival. It'll only be at the judgment seat of Christ to really fully grasp the weight of what the Word of God is going to do. And again, if we're not doing it here in our context, then why in the world are we prepping it to send it to other people to do it there? Uh, Okay, so even if you're carnal, prep it and send it there. God will get, he'll get use out of it. But man, what a, what a miss it would be for us to be about this business and really miss the essence of what these are intended to do right here where we live. And that's a good word. I'm just fired up about that. God is building all of this together for our good because he wants to bless us. And I really appreciate the word of God that uh, Tony preached. So let's stand together and get ready to march. Let's get ready to go. Uh, if you are a guest here for some reason, if you're not saved, we want to get the Word of God in your heart. Find one of us. We will open up the Bible and show you how you can know eternal life. Uh, presumably, most of us are here on a Friday night instead of the football game. And man, thanks for thanks for sacrificing time. Uh, honestly, Tony, you could be you could have said, "Bro, I gotta be at my son's," and I really appreciate that. And uh, I pray that God really blesses your your uh, your sacrifice. And uh, I really appreciate that. So, uh, man. Uh, let Cale know we appreciate him. And uh, and so tonight as we get ready to, to march, I want to invite Bob uh, Hall up, and he's going to give us an update. I'm going to pray real quick and just let these words kind of settle in. And then Bob's going to point your attention to some of the things that God has been doing here and give us some more instructions and get us out of here and add anything I missed. So Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the word that we've heard tonight. We're thankful for uh, the word that we heard today. We're thankful for the word of God that we heard last night, and we're thankful for the word that we heard yesterday, and we're thankful for the word of God that we heard Wednesday night. But Lord, help us to go beyond that instruction. Lord, help us to, to go take this uh, message to heart, Lord, and may we apply it in our lives so that we can teach others also. And Lord, may that this, uh, this, uh, uh, this challenge that we've heard tonight about the things that are important, Lord, and how we uh, couple these verses together in Philippians chapter 4. May that really resonate with us who say that we are disciple makers. May we be able to model. May we be able to live this out and illustrate it by your grace through faith. Uh, so, Lord, you can get some traction in the time in which we live. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a, a space here uh, to, to, to put the Word of God together. Uh, and, Lord, I pray tonight as we get busy to, about the work that you've given us, Lord, we do cast all of our care on you, knowing you care for us. Lord, we know you'll provide the finances. Lord, we know you'll provide the, the people resources. Lord, we know you'll provide all the things that we need, and you've shown us that. And, Lord, ultimately, you are all we need.
And so, Father, uh, you are everything. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the spirit of God that teaches us all things. And, Lord, we're thankful for the word of God that you have given to us and trusted to us. And, Lord, may we be good stewards of this as we continue to, to publish your word in every way. We praise you and we thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Tony, thank you for that message. It was really good. Uh, we have a couple things in common. You know, after two days of Bible conference, not only do I know don't know what day it is, most of the time I don't even know my name by that time. So, uh, but it's all good. It's all good. So, I just wanted to highlight a couple of the projects we've done this year. Uh, well, it seems like year to year it just rolls into each other. We're, we usually spend about uh, two Saturdays a month working in the armory out and back. And uh, if you're part of HBF or if you just want to come down and participate with us, uh, come down and hang with us because, you know, half the fun of, you know, we're getting the Word of God out, but we're also having some fellowship at the same time. So uh, I appreciate all the people on the Bible team that do that. We started off hitting the ground early in January with a 1,000 English Bibles to Jamaica. And again, I'll just go through the highlights. You can read the rest of them. Uh, we went uh, in February, we did 15,140 Polish New Testaments that went over to uh, to Poland. So hopefully they're used over there close to the war in Ukraine and things going on there. Um, a lot of small projects we do for sister churches or uh, people that we know. Um, let's see here. Ray Stewart's up here with 1,050 English Bibles going to Jackson County Detention Center. And let me tell you how huge that is. Ray Stewart told me that in that ministry, on a, on a monthly basis, 20 to 30 people get saved. So, you know, you can't go into a high school of this country and preach the Word of God without getting kicked out, but they'll let you go into jails. And those guys need the gospel, too. And that's kind of dear to my heart because I've spent a lot of time in, in the prison. So getting them those Bibles is, is, is just huge. Uh, we've gone all the way down. We did another thousand Bibles to Jamaica, getting ready. We usually do a thousand for them every year. Did a thousand English Bibles to the Philippines for one of our missionaries, Eddie Zeiss, and several projects here at home. And of course, right now we're working on the 30,000 Spanish John and Romans that are going to Oaxaca, Mexico. And so, uh, we'll be working on those again tomorrow. In fact, some of the team, Today, I kind of shut things down and shifted gears and put a lot of people out in back just to partake of that because tomorrow we're going to have people everywhere. We're going to have people in front and the back. Uh, we'll have people hopefully in every crevice we can, we can put them in, but, uh, come tomorrow. It's going to be a great day. And then we're doing the 5,000 Spanish Bibles, uh, right now. So, uh, let me give you an update on that. I don't want to keep you too long because you are itching to go back to assemble. So we've got 2,565 boxed so far. Uh, We've got 500 to trim yet tonight. (laughs) Praise God. So we've got close to 2,000 yet to finish, maybe not quite 2,000 out here in front. And uh, so we're pushing to get those done by tomorrow night, which I believe we will. Uh, God, God has a plan for us, and he'll get it done for us. And so we've got uh, uh, quite a few things. So year-to-date, 57000 If we get everything done this weekend or this next month, we'll have 57,384 pieces of Scripture going out. Several years ago, uh, our pastor, Randy Foster, put a goal of 100000 
And when he first said 100,000, I know a lot of people looked at him and were like, um, are you crazy? But no, <laughs> uh, uh, we will get there at some point. We will get there. And yet, just to see us grow and the, the equipment that we have. And, and uh, Pastor Brian talked about uh, one, of our next proje- or one of our next pieces of machinery we need is a binder. And that's kind of where my heart is. And so uh, we just uh, purchased a trimmer just this year. And so thank you for all those people that gave for that. And go out and back and look at it. It's a beautiful piece of machine. It should work for us for, for years coming up. And so we just continually keep binders. And you might say, well, why do you always need a new piece of machine? Well, we just found out that binder we have, they are no longer making parts for it. So it's on borrowed time. So uh, that's why we need new updated machines or newer updated machines. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, so tonight, after we get ready and leave, we're going to start the collating up, rolling, checking, just like we've been doing all along. And uh, we'll have some people out in back doing some trimming, doing some John and Romans, and then we'll start all over again tomorrow at 8 o'clock, run till tomorrow night, and uh, we'll see what gets done. But we will get the building back in shape tomorrow night, and then we will finish up on Sunday morning. And so I'm anxious to hear Alan's message on Sunday. It was a good message last night, Brother Alan. So uh, appreciate that. Um, so everybody knows where we need to go. So I'm going to have uh, one of our pastor friends I met this morning, actually, Michael Long. He, and him and Frank came in from Atlanta, correct? And uh, I'm going to have him just close us out to assemble. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you so much. We want to give you thanks for all the work that has happened here um, God, none of this is possible without you. We need people to do the work of assembling Bibles. We need people uh, to do that, to do all of those things. And God, it's incredible to see and be a part of that. But we also need people to to go with these Bibles to to teach people your word. And uh, and without that discipleship process, we have nothing. And we we need men to do that. We need people to go and train other people because we can't do everything and we can't sit here and do nothing, but we can do something. And with what we can do and the abilities you've given us, God, I pray that you allow all of us to do it to the best of our abilities. And if that's printing Bibles and training people right here in our local churches and sending them out, God, we pray that that happen. And we ask you to do that work. God, I pray for uh, everyone's safety tonight um, as they go their separate ways. And as we get back to the work of putting your word together, God, I pray that you bless our time together in fellowship. In Christ's name, amen.